Hello and welcome to the BGS Revision podcast um, on Journey's End. Um, this is a bonus bite, um, or in other words, rather than a whole podcast based on an exam question, um, it is a little podcast that looks at one theme or motif um, that exists in Journey's End. And in this bonus bite, I want to look at the motif of food um, and the way that that runs throughout the whole play um, and the way in which Sheriff uses it. Um, And a little bit like in your study of purple hibiscus, where there are motifs um, such as the purple hibiscus versus the red hibiscus and so on, um, similar things happen in Journey's End. Um, And if you're aware of what those are, um, then that means that you will be able to comment on them um, if they appear in the extract that you'll be given in the exam. Um, so the way that food is used by Sheriff in the play um, is quite interesting. Obviously, the play is set in the very claustrophobic situation of the dugout and um, we never actually see what's going on outside so there are references to the front line and the big attack that's coming and obviously there's the raid with Osborne and um, Raleigh um, later on in the play but most of the time we see the characters waiting and in fact one of the other titles that Sheriff considered for this play is um, Suspense. And um, one of the ways in which the soldiers um, try and keep themselves sane and functioning is by creating routines. And the um, routine of meals is a very important one that runs throughout the time um, that the soldiers are in the front line. Um, You will notice that the meals seem actually quite elaborate and formal, considering that we are in a dugout right by the front line. Um, The um, first meal that they have has three courses. Um, There's the soup, the yellow soup. Um, Then there are the cutlets. um, And then there is the tinned fruit and coffee to follow. Um, And one of the things that that highlights for us is the um, significance of class and hierarchy in the play. Um, The characters with whom we spend our time um, are all officers. Um, Not only um, are they officers, but we also have Trotter. um, And that's quite interesting because Trotter is the one officer um, who has risen through the ranks and who hasn't come through public school like Osborne, Raleigh, um, Hibbert and Stanhope. Um, And he is the butt of some humour. He's seen as having no imagination. And one of the ways that that is shown is by his prodigious appetite. He's always hungry. He's always asking what food there is. Nothing seems to put him off his food. Um, and later on, when Stanhope is discussing with the colonel um, who's going to go on the raid, when Trotter's name comes up, um, he's described as being too fat um, to go on the raid. Um, so that's another way in which um, food is used um, humorously. Um, the first significant um, reference to food and meal comes at the... Um, Uh, towards the beginning um, of Act One, um, and it's Raleigh's um, first meal in the front line. Um, There's a comic exchange about the pineapple versus the apricots, um, but that also has a more serious subtext that shows Stanhope's volatility um, and the fact that the lack of the apricots could possibly provoke an outburst. We've heard earlier on um, in Act One um, how he can become angry um, over small things. Um, then there are the rather clunky jokes. What flavour is the soup? Um, it's yellow. Um, the joke about the cutlets, which are like little chops, little cuts of meat, um, and whether you can cut them or not. Um, and also the absence of pepper, um, which causes quite a strong reaction from Stanhope. Um, and it just shows really how all of the characters see these meals and the routines and having the correct 
condiments even um, as an important way of kind of hanging on to some sort of sanity um, and some kind of civilization. Um, and all the time we're reminded that, you know, only 100 yards away um, beyond no man's land um, is the German front line as well, which might sometimes make these conversations about meals um, feel somewhat um, surreal. Um, the next meal that punctuates the play is um, in scene one at the beginning um, of act two. Um, and it dramatically it acts as a kind of juxtaposition to the very heightened pathos that we have um, at the end um, of act one when um, Stanup gets quite drunk and is upset about um, Raleigh's presence and the fact that he thinks that Raleigh's sister might found out that he's become um, a drunkard. Um, and so in scene two, it opens with um, the cooking of the bacon and the smell of the bacon. Um, and again, Trotter is the butt of the humour here. Um, uh, there are jokes about Mason, Mason's dishcloth and whether he ever cleans it properly, um, the fattiness of the bacon and the fact that it's got new lean meat, um, the pips and the raspberry jam that get stuck in people's teeth um, and how long Trotter takes to eat his breakfast. So um, dramatically, this gives us a little kind of lull, um, but reminds us also um, that, you know, we are heading all the time throughout the course of the play um, towards the big attack at the end. So it offers some kind of humour um, and some kind of respite. Um, briefly, in scene two, when Stanup is discussing with the colonel this really quite unreasonable raid that his company have been asked to undertake, um, which results in Osborne's death, um, the seriousness of the um, upcoming raid is kind of undercut by the question about whether um, Stanup likes fish because the um, uh, colonel and the other officers have got some whiting in um, as well. Um, the other thing that kind of weaves its way um, through uh, scene um, two in act two um, is the references to the tea tasting of onion, even though they haven't had onion for ages. Um, and that joke kind of um, threads through um, juxtaposing the deadly serious nature um, of the mission. Um, in a similar way to the drinking, the drinking of the tea and so on, um, at the beginning of Act 3 in Scene 1, the drinking and preparation of coffee in the evening um, uh, are juxtaposed with the preparation of Osborne and Raleigh um, for the raid that is going to end up killing um, Osborne. And the tension is getting greater um, as time goes on. Um, during this time, um, we are told that there are plans for a celebration meal. They've got a chicken, which is a real treat, and champagne and so on, which obviously is painfully ironic, um, given that we know that Osborne um, dies in the raid. Um, and we see how that works when, um, in scene two, um, we start um, in media rest, was the end of the meal after they've eaten everything and they are... Um, Stand up a smoking cigar um, and is full up. Um, and Raleigh's inability to eat after the raid and the fact that he's eaten with the men and doesn't understand um, how you're meant to behave, that he's eaten the men's rations um, and his refusal to eat the food that Stanup offers him um, is significant dramatically. It shows Raleigh's innocence and his inexperience. Um, he's utterly shocked by what he has experienced in the raid and he doesn't understand how the others can carry on and um, eat a normal meal as though um, nothing has um, happened. Uh, the um, final scene um, in scene three, um, just right at the beginning, um, 
when everyone is preparing for the big attack and the tension is at its height, there are still conversations about tea and Mason has prepared the sandwiches, um, which he mispronounces and continues the kind of humorous element of the way that his character is portrayed. But also the fact that we're reminded that as well as being this kind of comic figure whose job is to cook for the officers, he is also a soldier um, and he is expected to go and fight in the front line and then to come back and um, prepare um, meals for the other officers. Um, and those are the last references to food. After that, the focus becomes very much on the raid and the aftermath of the raid. Um, and, of course, the very touching scene at the end with Riley and um, Stanner. So just to summarise, really, um, the uh, motif of food um, is a significant one. It weaves its way um, at various key points throughout the play, offering a contrast, a juxtaposition to the fear and terror of actual warfare. Um, it offers a structure, um, the semblance of civilization. Um, and some humour, although um, I do understand that you may well think that the jokes are not particularly amusing, but it's just the characters finding a way of coping with the horrific situation um, that they found themselves in.